If you have kids or pets, you know stains and odors in your carpet and upholstery are inevitable. But the experts at ChemDry can help. ChemDry removes odors and stubborn stains by sending millions of carbonating bubbles deep within your carpet. ChemDry lifts dirt, urine, and stains to the surface to then be extracted away, giving you a cleaner and healthier home. Call 1-800-CHEMDRY or visit ChemDry.com to connect with your local ChemDry and learn about special offers in your area. That's 1-800-CHEMDRY or visit ChemDry.com today. It's uh, everything I dreamed of. I don't want to tell my dad that I love him. I still don't know what just happened. I'm just so grateful. Just so grateful for the opportunity to play this game. The legacy is not what you give people, it's what you put inside people, but also what they put inside of me. Everyone, welcome to Beyond the Locker Room with Maria. Maria Prekajis here and back at Grumpy Sun Valley with my buddy Trevor. We're going to dive right in this week, um, but stay tuned. Tom Drugas Part 2. He is so interesting. Um, coming up soon. But first, it's time for Trey. Oh, sorry. What the heck is it called? T-Bone's Take. Hello, Maria. Good to see you back in real life. <laughs> I'm a little tired. I thought that Zooming with you was a little interesting because I just like, I like having you in front of me instead. Well, yeah, it's not the same as being there in person, being at Grumps, Sid's back. Uh, that was actually a Sid imposter. I have two Sids for Didn't that you one. meet someone named Sid, too? I did, some county commissioner. He was not impressed that <laughs> Sid the Sloth was our he mascot. He didn't, uh, <laughs> he didn't appreciate that your stuffed animal's name was Sid? No, he did not. He did not at all. <laughs> he Guess was what? Some I have a stuffed way. animal named after you, but not you, but it's my power animal. Yeah. He's like, who are you? Yeah, he was not impressed. Who but are you? Vegas was great. I'm super glad to be home. Just took a, another COVID test. I'm negative, which is always good. I have no symptoms, but you know, I don't want to get you sick. But thank, uh, thank you. We're going to start non football. Steph Curry, 2974. That's pretty cool. This was at 2 a.m. when I couldn't sleep. 2974. I watched all the highlights. He's, uh, he's just a great like role model slash athlete. And even when he said that he wanted to beat it, the record, like before he likes. He was kind of cocky and even said, he's like, I'm sorry for saying that. I I apologize <laughs> for being cocky and really good at my sport. So I think that's amazing and good for him. And Ray Allen's a great, I mean, if you ever seen He Got Game, that's a great movie too. Well, and here's one. Steph played 500 fewer games than Ray Allen to get here. That's pretty gross. That's, that's, <laughs> that's, that <laughs> is a, good. He has a long way to go. And then here's my quote. Um, one of the ESPN sports announcers was talking about the Kings lightning game. And he's like the goal, the goalie, uh, goaltender, Andre, I'm going to Pasilic. Yeah. Whatever. Vasilevsky. Pasilevsky. Vasilevsky. Vasilevsky. He's heavily padded. He's super bendy, quick, like a cat. You will be denied. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's also like six, six too. <laughs> I just thought bendy. Bendy. He's, he's super like Gumby. Bendy. He's like Gumby. Yeah. So that that was my quote. All right, on to football. <laughs> Bendy. Bendy. That's awesome. <laughs> like Gumby. I love it. Um, it was an interesting week. Arizona went down. Yes, they did, actually. Um, I watched that game, and I think that the moral of the story was Matt Stafford had three touchdowns and zero interceptions. And I believe that Kyler Murray had two interceptions and zero touchdowns. I think that... Uh, what it comes down to is, um, I think like the uh, Matt Stafford's got experience, and I just think that the Cardinals are young. But I think it's a good loss for them moving forward because I'd rather lose, you know, not in playoffs. You get that loss <laughs> out of the way when you're going into playoffs. Is it ever good to lose? <laughs> but I mean, yeah, no. I, mean, I if you, you have know, to. yes. Like if you want to go into the next topic real quick, I thought the Bills and. Uh, with Tampa Bay, I think that was a good loss for the Bills. Like they played pretty pretty bad the whole game and Tom Brady, you know, had his way with them pretty much the whole time. But then at the last little bit of the game, they completely turned it around, came back, tied it up and ended up losing in overtime to Tom Brady. What's the least surprising thing about this weekend? Tom Brady <laughs> did it again in overtime. Well, and I was watching that game, and I like had to jump in the shower. Or something I came out, and I was like, "Wait, Tampa Bay was ha- why is it overtime? What yeah. just happened here?" But yeah, like like you said, it's like, is there such thing as a good loss? I think that yes, it's a great loss for the Bills, and that's going to get bring them together because, 
like Josh Allen said, he's like, we just want to, you know, we're here to play as a team. We need to like win as a team. And I think that's a big confidence booster for the team. And I, you know, you, you, you come back on Tom Brady, you play a great game. And I mean, yep. you're, you're, you're in his league now, you know? Yeah, which is true. No, and it's Tom Brady. So I guess the question would be, yes, there is a such thing as a good loss. <laughs> in our humble opinion here. I'm yes. still on the fence about that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, what's next? We're going to go through your list and my oh, list. Oh, uh, I have uh, a big week for the Eagles. They had a bye week, and they get healthy, and they get to practice. Okay, sweet. I was like, they didn't play. Yeah. Wait a minute. And now that and the Eagles had nothing to talk about this week, so they all the like hardcore fans were talking about Carter, quarterback controversy with Carter Minshew. I'm like, will you just be quiet, please? And they're in the hunt. They're in the hunt. I know. I can't believe they're in the hunt. You were just showing me. We were looking at who's in the hunt and who's still in. Everyone's still in yeah, just okay, about. Like, there are like so, three teams that are so out. The, yes. Yeah, so, so the NFC, the guys that are in the hunt, Vikings, Eagles, Falcons, Saints, Panthers, Seahawks. Who's out of the race? Giants, Bears, Lions. And uh, yeah, the Seahawks. Yeah, I, can't I don't know how they're in it. it. But, but they are. Aaron Rodgers. How about this? I just own the Bears. So I was watching that game. It's Sunday night game, and I looked at the score. And the the guy that run, ran the uh, touchdown back, the kickoff, or no, sorry, the punt. It was the first punt return of the year. They call him Mighty Mouse. They picked him up from. Uh, he's five seven, like you know, he's tiny. tiny. He's they call him Mighty Mouse. He ended up running it back. The first uh, punt return of the year from the NFL, and uh, it was twenty seven something. And I'm like, they're they're beating him. Like he said this. I changed the channel. I come back an hour later, it's 47 to 27. He just murdered him. I was like, oh my God, like what I thought was going to happen did not happen at all. Well, Aaron Rodgers now, is it the same toe that it's actually broken? Did they not figure that out? I think it is broken. That's what they say. It's not COVID toe. But he, uh, this is another quote, Pat McAfee, they must be buds because it's the only show he'll go on. And Pat's like, so... After that win, you love being a Green Bay Packer. And Aaron's like, I love playing ball. That's all he said. So obviously he does not like being a Green Bay Packer, but he wants to win, I you know, the Super Bowl with him this like year. I feel like he's so, like, he like toys with the media and people just eat it up. Like me? Yeah, it's like, <laughs> oh yeah, you love being with the Packers? I just love playing ball. It's like, that's not a bad answer. He, he should have said I love the Packers though. Well, yeah, but he did not, and that's all over the morning shows. It's kind of funny. Yeah, uh, Pat McAfee's show is pretty sweet. And, like, how awesome is it for him to have the inside with Rogers? So, like, the only oh, show. Yeah. He's like, I'll just call my bro. He'll come on. Pat likes his tank tops. You like your socks, yeah. which, by the way, I brought you no socks that all the shops in the Vegas airport that sell crazy socks I usually buy you were closed due to low, no staff. That's but. That's a bummer. But anyway, you, you can just give socks. me twenty bucks. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Um. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. So uh, I, I saw that Demarius Thomas passed away, a uh, receiver for the Broncos, who won a, a Super Bowl there, which was super sad. Um. I believe he had a was having tr- trouble with seizures, and he was alone at his house in the shower, and he had a seizure and ended up passing away, which is is a real bummer because he's the I think he's only like thirty three years old. And, um, I mean, I thought he was still playing in the league and, uh, to honor his, his passing the, uh, the Broncos lined up in a 10 man formation. That was cool. Yeah, it was cool. And I almost, I like, was like crying just because (laughs) it's just sad. And it's, it's, it's so cool for, uh, teams to honor someone like that. And I, you know, it's just, yeah, it sucks when people pass away. And especially 32, 33 years old and in the shower, you think, well, there's not that much water. We had an aunt years ago. Yeah. And you know three inches of water in the tub but uh, yeah very sad but what they did yeah. was cool yeah and they won too so that's good yeah i think but, that obviously when something like that happens it pushes you that much yeah more to it's win just for uh, that person. i think all the way across the league too um because you know you just you never want to find out that someone passed away that is a tie with the league because I mean, at the end of the day, these guys all work in the same league. They, they probably respect each other and they, they all get along and you never want to hear that. Uh, anybody passed away like that. No. So congratulations on the Broncos win and congratulations on them honoring Demarius Thomas. And we honor you Demarius and we miss you too. Yes, most definitely. And, uh, when a lighter note, we wanted to talk about your Seahawks. <laughs> How are they still in the hunt? <laughs> because their other teams are 
just as bad. <laughs> I mean, how are they still not? I think <sighs> it's amazing. I think that, uh, what was it? Penny had an amazing game. They just ran the ball, and he just just ran the ball all over them. <laughs> it's like did. they couldn't stop it. It was just like, this is ridiculous. What's going on here? And they're getting healthy. The Seahawks yeah. are getting healthy. So Except they had... for what's-his-face got hurt. Jamal Adams, the guy they paid all that money to, is out for the season. He tore his labrum in his shoulder. But no, thank God bless the Seahawks and your yeah. gals and my crush. And one another thing. <laughs> Coach crush. Russell Wilson making a, making a statement. Maybe he's going to be leaving the Seahawks this year. You, you think? think? I think so. They say the Eagles might get him, and I'm like, no. I know the Eagles no. now, like you just said, have quarterback controversy, so they're going to bring one other person in and probably the, get rid yeah, of the Menchu. Eagles. Don't have enough to talk about, so on a bye week, they have all these like crazy people come up with conspiracy theory, Eagles football talk. So so out of control. But another uh, another one here. Uh, Lamar Jackson hurt hurt his ankle. I feel like he's hasn't played the last like four weeks. Well, and they were talking. They're like, "Do you play a hurt Lamar Jackson, or do you play the backup?" Because Lamar, you know, four interceptions and he still won the game. Was it two weeks ago? Yeah. It's like, do you play him hurt, or do you? I, what I do you do? I don't know. I feel like the guy that is behind him is kind of the same quarterback, and he made a comeback on him. Um, I think that the the Ravens are so decimated by injuries right now. Like the whole season, they lost two starters in preseason. Yeah. <laughs> and they have just continued to lose like a full like piece of paper of injuries. Like, you know, like we're talking <laughs> like 15 to 20 people. And I just, I think that that's ultimately going to slow them down. But I mean, like it, he, if he has an ankle injury, if you play him hurt, then he's not going to be able to, you know, be as mobile as you would think. So I think that that I would probably just go with a healthy guy. Yeah, that's what. But they say he's starting as of Wednesday, so that could all change. No, no, he's my fantasy quarterback. That was a scoop this morning <laughs> at six a.m. I did not sleep a lot last yeah. night. Oh, I what love about it. The, the poor Cowboys? They oh. like they won, but they just look so bad. Jerry Jones on the horn again. Worst game ever on his win over Washington. 46.4% completed passes. And they're starting to say, like, is Dak the guy? They're starting yeah. to question Dak. They paid him. He's the guy. He's your guy. So, yes, he's the guy. He is the guy. And Jerry Jones, though, keeps saying they're in a slump. Well, he's been saying that for five weeks, whether they win or lose. So I mean, they have had COVID protocol uh, issues, and um, I just think that Dak's not playing that well. Plus, Ezekiel Elliott's hurt. Like with him out and not like running the ball and making that impact, it really puts more of the game onto Dak. And I think that with the those like Amari Cooper was out for a while, and Ceedee Lamb was hurt. But like this is one of the you know, premier offenses in the yeah. NFL. And I believe that we watched Stephen A. Smith said that it was uh, their number four or three on his power rankings this morning. I'm like, okay, okay. But I think he's kind of a Dallas fan too, which makes me upset. Yeah, he's a huge Dallas fan. When they lost, they it actually shut up Stephen A. on their first take show. Good. <laughs> Nothing shuts him yeah. up. <laughs> and then uh, the Bengals are on the roller coaster ride too. They can't, like string two wins together they're up and down and up and down and i mean i think what's his face uh what's, what's the quarterback joe burrow is he's throwing interceptions that last week they had a really rough game against the chargers they like came back and within like a touchdown or eight points and then just got let up like 21 in a row and the same thing this week it's just they look really sloppy and i i understand why people used to call them the bungles <laughs> i like the bungles yeah. I like it. Do you have your do you have Browns on your list? I do. Because there's a lot of stuff happening there with COVID. Yeah, they've lost uh, like Landry, Hooper, um, as if the quarterback wasn't hurt enough and it hadn't you know doesn't have enough people to throw to. I think they have like eight guys on COVID protocol. They do, and their coach Kevin Stefanski just tested. He's vaccinated and boosted. So don't say, well, the vaccine and the booster don't work because he's not sick. But it's uh, eight. Players tested positive. Browns are one of eight teams working virtually this week. Bears, Browns, Falcons, Lions, Rams, Vikings, and Washington due to COVID. Well, you know, it's an interesting uh, thing I heard yesterday that not only just the NFL, just sports across the board. 
NHL, NFL, every NBA. They've got their their teams are like. I mean, they they postponed games in the NHL yesterday. Yep. I mean, teams all across the board. They're talking about reviewing COVID protocols. So hopefully, this is not a sign of getting worse for our sports to stop. Well, and you hear people in town all the time here at Grumpy's just going, "Why would I get it?" Then people get it, but it we're we're very pro vaxxers but it's like well why wouldn't you you're not gonna die i mean still the people who are getting it and dying and super sick and clogging up the hospitals are the unvaccinated so there's my there's my uh, rant of the morning she heard that one at five thirty. i did <laughs> <laughs> i did and then did you see the raiders game I did not see the oh Raiders. My God. I saw so, part of it. Okay, I was in so Vegas. but This was a huge game for the Raiders because they were like, a, I think, a game behind the Chiefs or two. But like they need a win to, to try to get to the division top. And they went on Kansas City's logo and were stomping around on their logo. I did not the, see that. I will Kansas say. City, you know, Arrowhead. And like immediately... The score was 47 to something. And I mean, do you think Patrick Mahomes is going to take it easy on a defense that goes out and stomps your logo? I mean, like, I understand that you guys are trying to pump each other up and go for it. But like, how do you think the other team's going to feel when you stomp their logo? And you're not even that good of a football team in the first place. Well, no. And I mean, it was a, I mean, pretty much obliteration. And Derek I, Carr got destroyed this weekend. He threw an interception while he was just getting like sacked, like <laughs> sacked, sacked, like, and annihilated. More sacked. Well, Tyreek Hill, uh, his 4,000-yard rushing, um, I can't talk this morning, of the season. Fourth one, 1,000 yards. Dude, he is unreal. He's amazing. They, he, like, they said he could be an Olympic uh, track star. Like, he's that fast. Did you ever see the commercial that he does? He's got like 150 kids on the, uh, on the field with him, and he's got the football. They kick it off to him, and he just runs around all of them. <laughs> and he's got flags on the side. It's insane. Well, Tom Drugas, part two coming up, he was on the track team. He was huge, but he was on one of the relays in college. I think high school or college. Huge guy, and he was super fast too. He goes, he did mostly shot put and discus, but he goes, I was on one of the relays, and you got to be fast. So to be six five, six six, like he was, and to be that fast is amazing. I think that's pretty cool. He was I in, mean, you don't realize how um, how fast these guys are, slash how big they are, because when you see oh, these yeah. guys in real life, they're six five, six six, like two eighty, three hundred pounds. Yeah, and on TV that doesn't really translate. But when you see him in real life, you're like, oh my God, that guy really is 6'6 and 300 pounds, but he can, he can run faster than I can. Yeah. Like what? Which is amazing. I still- Like that couple... should be physically impossible. What's up with like the 5'7", five, 5'8 five, guys that are running backs and they still- I think it's like, it's very helpful for them because the guys are 6'6 six, six on the line and they <laughs> like hide behind them and all of a sudden they just <laughs> pop out of this hole. They're like, see ya. <laughs> It's like it's that's not, like Darren Sproles when he used to play. He was like five six too. I know. I'm like, his, how can you play when you're that little? His but thighs are the size of my waist. That's how he can play. <laughs> oh, I love it. I and, love uh, it. What about my not my not my team, but the 49ers? I've been talking big on them for the last three weeks, and they've only had one upsetting loss. Only one upsetting yeah, loss. Yeah, well, they're back in it. Like, they lost. They should have won. I can't remember who they should have beat, but that would have put them in the playoff picture. But they lost, and now they're still winning. And they don't have Debo Samuel, and he's getting an ankle. He had ankle surgery two weeks ago, and he should be back in the next two. And they're still winning, and I think that this team is very overlooked. Like, their their stock is going up, but, like, everybody's like, oh, they're, they suck. But they don't. They're like really good and they're physical. Their defense is unreal. And they've, they're just getting healthy. And Jimmy Garoppolo also has something to prove because he's got a rookie quarterback behind him. Yeah. And he needs to ball out. Yeah. No, and they're saying, is Jimmy going to stay around? Okay. I have to, you have to ask your gal Blair. Um, the Pittsburgh Steelers, I know they're on your list. Mike Tomlin is my second crush for coaches. I'm a girl. I love sports, but you know. And he uh, was talking about the guy who didn't do so well this week. God, I'm blanking. Sorry, I didn't write it down. But oh, it was uh, was it Claypool? Yeah, Claypool. So he he had that catch, and they had a what a minute left or yep. under a minute left, and he was celebrating. He, he caught the ball and took his time. And I understand, you know, like there's a time to celebrate and there's a time to business. 
Yeah. You know, like if you forget a burger on the grill, it's not time <laughs> to go get a drink. You get that burger cooking because that person's looking at you. You know, that's and a good you analogy. See the lineman get over to him. He like grabbed the ball from him because he was like doing the first down motion. Yeah. And the guy tried to grab the ball from him. And in that like instance, the ball got knocked out and they had to scramble for it for another couple seconds. Yeah. And he, and, but Mike Tomlin was so poised. He's like, he still has to learn. Mm-hmm. He's learning. We're behind him. I mean, he wasn't saying, you know, what a AWS. That's he was like, just like, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Yeah. But and I was also like, like at the same time, like they still got the plays off. They needed to. They got to the fourth down and the guy should have caught it in the end zone. It hit him in the chest. So at the end of the day, I think Claypool did have a miss mishap there. Yeah. But they still should have tied the game. They should they the guy yeah. had the touchdown in the end zone and he dropped it. <laughs> and then they still would have had to go for two. So yes, Claypool did mess up, but at the end of the day, they still executed pretty well. Yeah, I don't know if uh, Mike Tomlin said a few other words to him behind, sure. in the locker room, but it, during the presser, and, he was very good. And how about Dalvin Cook? He dislocated his shoulder a week before or uh, two weeks ago, and they're like, he might play. He's you know, you know. And then like I saw in uh, like fantasy football, fifty percent of the people started him, and he scored thirty five points, like two touchdowns, yeah. two hundred something yards, and people didn't start him. It's like, oh my god, he just destroyed everything he's unreal and now's the time too where people are going to play with injuries yeah, exactly that's a very good point because i was looking at the thing it's like if they lose they're probably not going to the playoffs and kurt cousins is absolutely amazing he's been playing amazing and no one gives him credit either <laughs> and like he plays even better when dalvin cook's in there oh for sure he opens it up for him it's funny you have the Saints on your list. Oh, the Saints. Yeah, they got they snapped their winless streak um, over the Jets. Big the win for Jets. them. The um, poor Jets. I heard somebody, uh, they called Taysom Hill, our Idaho guy, the Mormon Tebow. I thought that was kind of funny. I, like, <laughs> I did wow. not hear that. That's yeah. funny. Somebody said that. I thought that was so funny. But, uh, I mean, they... They clearly have had a bad season. They had Jameis Winston as their starter. He tore his ACL and then just kind of... You know, when you lose your quarterback in the first couple of weeks and all your offense is built around it, it really just yeah. kind of puts a hole in the ice and everybody's going to fall in the cold water. <laughs> <laughs> and today, by the way, 10 degrees this morning in beautiful Sun Valley, Idaho, and we just got dumped on to all I want for Christmas is a garage. <laughs> yeah, I thought about that the other day. I was like, wouldn't this be nice? A garage would be so lovely. So lovely. And uh, do you have Jacksonville on your list? I did. I just crossed them off. Um, I believe they're going to stick with Urban Meyer, huh? Jacksonville Jaguars coach won't be going helter-skelter, won't be impulsive uh, after his first shutout loss of his ownership. Uh, Urban's not used to not winning. I know. <laughs> That's he's what a, he said. He's an Ohio State guy. Yeah. He's also a Florida State guy with Tebow. And they won national championships. But the thing is, is that when you get to the NFL, and obviously this is a you know, very obvious statement, when you get to the <laughs> NFL, you don't get the recruiting. You get draft picks, and you got to draft correctly. And let's face it, Jacksonville hasn't ever really been a very good team. And it's his first year. They got rid of the guys they didn't want. And so it's just a process. you know. you got to build and keep building and keep building, and hopefully you don't lose your job. Um, yeah. And before you get good. Well, and everyone I've talked to, like Tom Drugas coming up, the difference between college and pros playing wise is amazing. Um, athleticism, mindset, but also coaches. Some coaches aren't cut out for the pros. I hate to say it, but they're not. And it's a whole different ball game. It's true. I mean, Pardon look at uh, Nick Saban. He was a pro. He coached in the pros. And yeah. See you later. Yeah. Didn't work. And now he's just a college football god, literally. <laughs> he is. He is. I, I like old Nick. Uh, who's, uh, who out of the college four are going to take it? I don't know. I think Cincinnati is going to lose to Alabama. Yeah. I think Georgia will probably beat. I can't remember who they're playing. Is it Notre Dame? No. No, no. Notre Dame needs to be in a conference to get on. Oh, that's true. Who, who are they? Um, um, oh, my gosh. Now we're embarrassed. Keep I talking. Know. Okay. So I still think that Alabama is going to beat Georgia because after the that glorious win in the iron bowl where they came back and tied it up with 30 seconds 
and then they won. I think that that kind of just like ignited the fire under the the pot, and they're not going to lose another game. Yeah, Michigan, by the way. Ah, uh, Michigan. I duh. love Michigan, though. I want Michigan to win so bad. But yeah, I think it's going to be Alabama and Georgia again. But Alabama, Georgia did not look so great in their first loss uh, against them. But they lost one game, and they're like, "That's not happening again." But yeah, Notre Dame, new coach. What is it about firing or coaches moving on before a bowl game or a championship game in college? I'm not a fan of that. I don't know. I think it's kind of disrespectful. But like Brian Kelly, I didn't realize this. He was the coach of Cincinnati, and he left them before the bowl game for Notre Dame. And then he went to Notre Dame (laughs) and left Notre Dame for LSU before the bowl game. And I'm like, at least this guy's keeping it consistent. Yeah, money talks. Just, you know, just... Yeah, I don't need... Be a jerk. Don't yeah, look back. It just, is, just go for the money. 95 I mean, million sheets. No, who cares? The pros fire people all the time during the season, but yeah. still. I can't believe that a college coach makes $95 million. I can't That's what either. makes me think. <laughs> I was talking about something like... Someone's like, what college players get paid? I'm like, yeah, that's kind of cool. He's like, I think that's kind of lame. I'm like, well, when... A couple colleges make over a billion dollars a year well, on yeah. the football program. I think it's okay for these guys to you know accept a little money here. Well, and they just turn that over that college players can get a little bit of compensation, or you know, yeah, they can go make commercials. I heard there's and a all guy that. on Alabama. His name is Kool Aid, and he's sponsored by Kool Aid. Oh well, he should be. Yeah. Um, let's get to this week real quick, and then we'll wrap it up for Tom Drugus coming up um, Thursday night. Niners and Titans. I'm just, I don't even know if I'm going to watch that I'm going to go for Niners. Niners <laughs> I am too. Win that. How rude of me. <laughs> um, a couple other Falcons and Lions. I say Falcons. I'd love Lions to get another win, but. Who needs it? They don't need it. Okay, the Wentz Wagon, Cardinals and Colts. And uh, now's the time of year that NFL football's on Saturday and Sunday. So you get double dose, which is really? fun. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, because there's no college games or oh, a few bowl okay, games. Yeah, yeah, now's the time of year besides the holidays. I always wondered when that happened, and now I know. Colts and Cardinals. I think the Cardinals come back with a vengeance. I am going to go for the Wentz wagon. The Wentz wagon? <laughs> and I am going to go for Charlotte's team. She's our manager here. Yeah. She always. I don't know why these Colts fans trash him so bad. They do. But then you can go back to Philadelphia, and you can watch the fans trash Wentz when he was there. So, you know. Uh, Buccaneers, Panthers, Bucks. Yeah, Bucks are easy on that. Uh, here's one: Broncos and Raiders. I'm gonna go Broncos. Yeah, Raiders. I think they've did been looking good. Look very good. Steelers and Chiefs. I'm going Chiefs. Chiefs. Um, let's see. I'm going too far down the list here. Let's pick one more. Eagles, Washington, division game. Yeah, Eagles. Let's go Eagles. I'm on your bandwagon for that. Okay, well, it is week 16 of 18. Is that correct? I think it's 15. 15, sorry. Am I looking at the... I was looking at the wrong one. Whoops. Did we call next week's games? I think we just did. Thanks to me. (laughs) But hey, yeah, week 15 of 18. So we're coming down to it. And uh, yeah, it's still anyone's ballgame. Like you said, only three are out in one of the divisions. So was it like the Bears are out? Lions are out. That's for sure. Well, there you go. Well, we called next week's game, so that's good. (laughs) Giants, Bears, Lions out. In the NFC, AFC is Jets, Texans, Jaguars. And on the brink, we have the Browns, Bengals, Broncos, Steelers, Raiders, and Dolphins. And all of them have a record. Or sorry, the Browns, Bengals, Broncos all have are seven and six. The Steelers are six, six, and one. How funny. And the Raiders are six and seven. So this is actually a pretty good race. And in the NFC, you've got... On the brink, Vikings, Eagles, Falcons, Saints with a record of 6-7, and seven, and then Panthers and Seahawks with 5-8. and eight. So I think they're going to have to win out with a lot of help from the teams up yeah. above them. It's still, gonna, it's still bonkers. I mean, look at Washington's in the playoffs, and they have a 6-7 and seven record too. Would you and ever so think does the 49ers. People less than 50% are in the playoffs. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, stay tuned because Tom Drugas, a uh, real estate god here in Sun Valley, Idaho, talks about his professional career coming up. It's super cool. He's a Greek man, so it's a little lengthy, but keep it tuned right here. Trev, good to be back. Absolutely. Great to see you. I'm going to go do the books. I'm going to go pick up Amanda. Okay. All right. We'll see you next week. Tom Drugas, right now.
Welcome back to Beyond the Locker Room with Maria. Lots going on in the NFL, as Trevor and I just talked about. And I'm for week two with our good friend, Tom Durgis. Should I say Opa, Yasu, the Greeks upon the Greeks? Yasu. Yasu. I'd start to speak. Yeah, exactly. You're Papu, I'm Thea. I don't know what, what what do they call grandpa or great grandpapu? I don't know. You know? I'm going to be a great grandfather. I don't know what to call myself. Are you really? You're so young. I love it. Yeah, Yeah, I I mean, I know your kids and their kids. So that's crazy. Um, Yeah, what is, I'll I'll have to figure that out. Grandpapu. Megalopapu? That's just big grandpa. I don't know. I can't figure anything out. I love it. So, so last week we talked about your high school and collegiate career at Oregon says the university of Washington Husky, but that's okay. Cause our season this year just stunk. I feel bad. They're, they're growing teams, so to speak. Um, so you're playing from, for Oregon, your junior or your second to the last year, I should say the coach is like scouts are getting to look at you and notice you beef up. So you went to the, all you can eat buffets, you beefed up. Was there more pressure that last year you played knowing that scouts are looking you looking at you? You know, not really. I mean, this is a crazy thing. It's like, I kind of figured, well, that's fine. I mean, if this happens, great. Um, I, I didn't think going into that season, like, Oh, you're definitely going to play in the NFL. I didn't know if I'd get drafted. I, I just, I didn't know if that's what was going to happen. Again, I mean, you know, this, uh, this this whole thing was kind of a love hate relationship. It's like, like the higher you go, the more it hurts. <laughs> so, well, and I have to interrupt. You always see these people in ice baths. Did you guys do that back then? It wasn't that long ago. I realized. No, that. we didn't have ice baths. You just have like you know, you know, an ice pack or something. But uh, no, so so and, and interestingly, I, I mean, I was. You know, because I didn't really know what the heck I was going to do as far as football, if that was going to continue after college. Uh, and I was really into the whole academic thing. And and I thought, well, maybe I'll just go to graduate school and uh, just work on, you know, maybe getting a PhD and, and, you know, go into academics. I mean, it was really like, really, you know, but, but I just, I, I enjoyed that. And, uh, Yet, you know, when, when it came down to it, um, you know, when you have a kid and someone says, you know, would you like to make money this way? I went, you know, hey, it's probably good. Because it so you had like, a backup uh, plan. Well, yeah. I mean, if, if I didn't do football, I was going to just continue on, you know, to do something. But I, at the time, I was thinking academics for a longer, a longer run. Because that doesn't hurt as much. So when in college that last year, did you realize, you know, the scouts are looking at you, you're playing. When did you realize I just might be good enough to go pro and get drafted? Well, I mean, I, I think I knew going into the last year, just because probably how I was stacking up. Um, and then I guess I had a pretty good season, <laughs> you know, uh, and so by the end of the season, I figured there was probably a, you know, good chance, but I, I can't say that. I mean, it just doesn't seem like we had the rating system and all the stuff that they, I mean, my God, now they, they give stars to kids that are in high school, you know, of what kind of a recruiting prospect they're going to be. I mean, it's, it's pretty it's crazy intense. now, a little overdone, much simpler back then. Yeah. Um, so you're playing. Did, was it more nerve wracking? Did you feel more pressure that last year because you knew, you know, scouts are looking and what if this happens or uh, I have a bad I, game? I, it was it was actually a lot more fun <laughs> because I knew what I was doing. You know, I was I was playing stronger and smarter and and so yeah, I think it was uh, yeah, it was more fun to play. Just had more to work with. Yeah. So. I was talking to Mark Rippon, as I said, and uh, he was talking about draft day. He goes, we got up early. There was no TV. Well, that one news company was in Spokane outside his house for a couple hours. When nothing happened, he's like, they went away. I took a nap. So tell me about draft day for you. What was that day like? Um, 
Well, there certainly wasn't a TV show on about it. That's for sure. And um, yeah, so we had moved from my wife, my son and I had moved up to Portland, I guess, because I graduated after that fall, I was done. And so I just didn't have any reason to stay in Eugene. And so we moved to Portland and we just, I don't know, I guess we just kind of hung out in our apartment uh, knowing the draft was on. And I got a phone call, you know, just to my landline because we didn't have cell phones. And, and you know, it was uh, from Steve Rosenblum, whose family owned the Baltimore Colts back then, and just said something, you know, congratulations, Tom. We've just drafted you in the first round. Uh, and I look forward to having you. And, and I was just like, Wow, Baltimore Colts, Johnny Unitas, crazy. <laughs> you know? There's a name everyone should know who likes. Yeah, football. I mean he was a he was an early, uh, even though I knew you know Norm Van Brocklin. Uh, it, it's interesting. Somewhere, my mother, who was you know a, a real saved everything kind of back rat memorabilia stuff, uh, had, had saved something that I had put together in a scrapbook where, where, you know, I don't know whether I had a football card or, or something where I had a thing of like, God, it would really be cool to play for Johnny Unitas, you know, cause the Colts were a big deal in the fifties and, and in the sixties. And uh, so that was, you know, I, I kind of learned that later, you know, I mean, much later that like, Oh, I had this kind of, I certainly knew Johnny U was, but I had remember like, thinking, oh, I want to, I want to play for Johnny U. And so that was, uh, you know, that was pretty amazing as I think back. It's, it's not unlike actually uh, stories I've, I've heard recently about Justin Herbert, you know, our Oregon NFL quarterback playing for the Chargers now, that as a, as a young child, he had this aspiration to, you know, play quarterback and live in Los Angeles. You know, so it's funny how those kinds of, of early dreams can manifest. Well, yeah, that with all the technology changing and, you know, helmets to what you you know have on the field and all the rules, the dreams still remain the same throughout from you to before you and, you know, now well after. So I think that's neat. And if you dream it and have the positive attitude, I mean, nowadays there's so much visualizing. Did you guys visualize a lot or you just went out, practiced, played and learned as much as you could? Um, that's funny. You remind me, uh, no, we didn't. I mean, I don't think we did visualization at Oregon. Um, we did. I remember we had a, uh, we had a strength coach towards the end and, and, and he would do some kind of, post-practice stretching drills, which I now realize were kind of akin to a yoga practice. Uh, but at that time, it was like, okay, that's fine. We're just pretty much standing around, lying around. We're just like, you're so used to all this kinetic exercise that that seemed a little bit weird. But it was like, no, this will be good for you guys. You, you won't get hurt if you do this stuff. Um, and so, so that was interesting. But I do, when you talk about... Uh, visualizing you take me back to an experience i had when i uh my third year i ended up getting traded from baltimore to the denver broncos and they had a coach there a new coach uh, john ralston who had come out of stanford as a college coach who had you know been kind of the coach my nemesis coach when we played and lost to jim plunkett in stanford you know, for the championship of the, the pack eight at the time. So here I am at a, at a team that's coached by John Ralston and he was kind of building this, this team at Denver, which had a lot of old kind of crusty jaded veterans on the team. And, and I remember him taking the team through a visualization exercise, you know, the whole team. And it was kind of like, okay, just, close your eyes and imagine. And he takes us through this whole, you know, visualization of success. And I just never forget, you know, all these old 
veterans just kind of like, hey, yay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, rolling their this, eyes. This They're is, like, this what? Is, yeah, this is the pros, not college. You know, <laughs> it was hysterical. <laughs> They're like, well, yeah, all that yoga stuff, you know, besides the visualization, we all know that works, but the other, you know, it works well. My brother still not from old football injuries, but you know, he does his 15 minutes every morning of his stretches and yoga. And if I could get it done, I'd have no issues, (laughs) but I don't, which is my problem. (laughs) So you, what was it like to get traded? You had a family, you had to get up and move. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it was uh, it was a weird year getting traded, but I I had I had signed a, I had gone from being kind of sought after. I made the all rookie team my rookie year and started my second year, and I ended up um, I ended up entering into a contract with an expansion league that had a team in Portland where I was going back to where my family lived. And I would go back and I was doing my commercial real estate career there. And I ended up uh, leasing some office space to uh, this startup team and got to know the general manager. And, uh, you know, one thing led to another. And I signed a futures contract with this Portland expansion team. And I figured, well, hey, you know, if they're still around by the time my contracts with the NFL is up, then great. I just moved back to my hometown and. My parents can be on the sidelines again and, and you know, be fun. Um, but it didn't work out that way. Uh, <laughs> you know, when you're that age, you think you're a big deal. Uh, but the NFL owners are the real big deal. You know, they have the money. And <laughs> so uh, so I got traded uh, when, I, you know, when I went back to Baltimore they, since I had, you know, expatriated you know in terms of my contract they 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 traded me and yeah i mean it was uh it was weird the uncertainty of it all but i mean i just knew i could play so i didn't really sweat it and you know eventually the the, the you know the nfl deal kind of collapsed not the nfl the the world football league yeah collapsed because they were undercapitalized and uh and i just kept playing in the nfl so from Denver, when did you get to Miami? Well, I went my third year. I, I got traded from Denver to Kansas City midseason, just before the trade deadline. So I midseason, I moved, moved the family from Denver up to Kansas City, got an apartment and played there. And, uh, and then went back to Portland at the end of the season to uh, you know, do my real estate thing and, and went back for training camp in Kansas City. And I got injured that year in training camp uh, early on before any cuts, um, sprained my ankle just on a, you know, junior college football field or something on a pulling guard deal. And, um, and I am getting cut from, from Kansas city without really having even played uh, that preseason, but it was just, I hadn't played much uh, in practice. I got cut and I got picked up by Miami. Uh, and I, you know, hopped in my, can't remember what the heck I was driving, but I just remember hopping in a <laughs> car and driving from Kansas city, in the middle of the summer down to Miami, going to a new training camp to go see if I could make the team. And so I went down there and made the team and, and played there for a couple of years. After Miami, I can't remember. I apologize. Cause I know that I, I think of you and I think Oregon to Miami. Yeah, no, so I, so basically, I went Oregon, Baltimore, Denver for a half season, Kansas City half season, and then I played two at Baltimore. Uh, moved around my third year, and then I played Miami for the last two years. Okay, and and you know I had moved to Ketchum, uh, um, I guess uh, after my third year. Yeah, just before I, yeah, before I went to that training camp in Kansas City, I had just moved to Ketchum, and so I I I lived in Ketchum in the off season and played in Miami, you know, during the season for the last two years, and then my sixth preseason is when I went to 
training camp at Miami and actually I'd been a starter, but we hadn't gotten to the playoffs that year. And Shula was pissed off at some things. And I got cut. I came back here uh, and I'd been a starter uh, at Miami when I got cut, but um, I came back here and thought, well, I'll just wait it out and somebody will pick me up. And nobody did, which was kind of weird because uh, I'm sure being an active starting veteran, I'd get picked up. But I knew that the the uh, World Football League was kind of a black mark. And so I didn't play that season. And, um, you know, I just started, you know, I had to do what I had to do. So I was doing my real estate career. My kids went to school, didn't have to take off. By that time, they were in school. and. Um, you know, it was great. I actually made as much money doing real estate as I did playing football because <laughs> they didn't without the me. pain. Yeah, without yeah, the pain. without the pain, and just started enjoying the life. Uh, you know, here in the mountains in Idaho, of uh, raising my family and you know camping and started you know bird hunting and you know fly fishing and skiing and you know the things that you did and uh, you know so. I didn't play that season. I did get asked to come down to a training camp uh, to play for the Rams. Uh, the coach there was George Allen, who had gone from the uh, Redskins and knew me from playing back east down to um, down to the Los Angeles Rams. I went down to a training camp in the spring to try out, and they said, yeah, we, we'd like to have you come to camp. And we got into negotiating a contract and we didn't come to terms because at that point I really wasn't willing to, to go ahead and, you know, risk the, what I had going on with real estate and didn't hurt so much. You know, I mean, I still kind of had the bug, but they would have had to pay me. Yeah. And, and, you know, they kind of said, well, geez, we could get five rookies for what you want. And I said, well, Go get them. Have at it. <laughs> well, and yeah. how did you, two quick questions. how did you get into real estate? Because I know a lot of professional ball players. Well, now if you make a lot of money, you don't need a second career. But how did you get into commercial real estate in Portland? Um, well, I guess part of it was when I did my uh, first contract, you know, for the NFL, I had a bonus and I had you know, an agent and then they kind of, advised me to invest in some commercial real estate for some tax relief, you know, to kind of mitigate the tax impact. And so, you know, I didn't, I didn't see a lot of the money that I got, you know, just right, right into an investment. And, but I thought, well, heck, if this is where I'm going to have my, you know, my investment capital, I might as well know something about it. And, and I just had some, uh, I, I had a, uh, I had a friend of mine that played at Oregon state and went in the NFL and he become a commercial real estate guy. And, and so I talked to him about it and I, and I ended up, you know, interviewing with this firm in Portland that had offices in Portland and Seattle and San Francisco and, you know, kind of West coast regional firm. And, uh, you know, it didn't hurt that. I think the manager of the Portland office was, a you know, a duck alumni. Yeah. <laughs> This is true. Yeah, yeah. So, so they gave me a shot, uh, which, which was you know interesting because I learned a lot from very high level guys uh, at a business level. But one thing that I learned, you know, fairly quickly was that, you know, commercial real estate was not a kind of six months on, six month off deal, uh, which was what it was going to be, as long as I'm playing pro football. Yeah, and, and so. That was kind of part of what precipitated my move to Sun Valley was to say, well, you know, I could, I could go to a place where, I if, if I do some residential resort stuff. And back then, it was more of a winter resort than summer, you know. So I I can do some deals in the off season, and go play ball, and then come back, and you know, it would work. And and so that's kind of how it evolved from commercial real estate. As, as something to understand my investments uh, to just something that kind of worked with, with my pro career. 
Well, and I know you're in the Valley. I'm in Las Vegas for the rodeo, hence my rodeo hat. But um, Sun Valley is lovely. I ended up there because my parents would go. I'd go with aunts and uncles. How did you know? I mean, being from Portland, obviously, Sun Valley was on your radar growing up. And it yeah, was. It never it? was. I, I never, uh, I, I skied in, you know, the Portland area, Mount Hood. Uh, but my parents didn't have the money to travel and go to Sun Valley uh, and do a ski vacation. So I just did kind of the weekend wear on the school bus with the ski club. Uh, but what really precipitated Sun Valley was when I was in Denver and I would have a day off, I'd pack the family up in the car and we'd head up in the mountains and just kind of a day off, you know, sightseeing, go check it out. And that's when I first got a glimpse of ski towns, uh, you know, ended up going to Vail in its early days and thinking, wow, this is a cool place. You know, I mean, it seemed like there's actually a town, even though now it, in relative terms, seems like it was, you know, ski, the ski version of Disneyland or something. Um, but I still thought, well, Colorado would be kind of cool to do this kind of, you know, half work in real estate, half work in football program. Uh, I came back to Portland thinking about doing that was thinking of going back to Colorado, look around. And I, um, I talked about it with a guy that I knew at the athletic club where I worked out, you know, said, yeah, I'm thinking of going to Colorado. And he says, I oh, don't go to Colorado, go to Sun Valley. You'll like it much better. And I thought, well, okay. The good news about Sun Valley is that it was only a one day drive from Portland so that it didn't detach me as much from, you know, my folks who, you know, weren't thrilled with the idea of me taking the grandkids. Of course <laughs> not. They're for the great. six months a year. Yeah. So, so anyway, that was part of the driver was just the logistics from Portland. And I just like the, I like the kind of the feeling of a authentic small town and, you know, yeah, it was a resort place, but much different than, than the Colorado resorts. It's changed a lot, but we're still much different, I think. A um, couple more questions. NFL, what did you take from that? What did you learn? And then I want to get into the difference between college ball and pro ball. But or let's start with that one, the difference between college and pro. And did you play the same position in college and pro? Yeah, yeah, I played the same position. And, you know, I, I think that the difference is, you know, every time you go up a, a level, uh, it, you know, the, the level of, of, uh, proficiency competency just goes up by a quantum, uh, you know, the difference between college and pro is just, you can't even imagine because everybody's like an all pro all American, you know, it's unbelievable how good everybody is there. And then, you know, the big, the, the really interesting different differentiating factor, I think between, the amateur and the professional level is the mental side. I mean, the, you know, this, the mental skill set that guys get in terms of really understanding the game and being able to, you know, make decisions and anticipate things and, you know, read defenses, read offenses, whatever. I mean, they're just, you know, it becomes uh, kind of a product of the 10,000 hours, you know, where, it just becomes very instinctual. And so it's, it's really amazing to see how, how much that mental side of it comes into play. Well, and there are a lot of college players, a lot of high school, a lot of college, you whittle them down, but they're, you know, the pro level, then it's even less players and it is the elite and the top of the top. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just besides, like you say, besides the athleticism, then you just have all the other, factors of motivation and drive competitiveness, you know, all those kind of things. And so, you know, you're just dealing in a world where, where everybody's really good. And, and I think that just goes back to, you know, whatever level that I was playing at, I think that one of the things that always kind of kept me going in spite of the pain or, the, you know, the, the agony of victory and the thrill of defeat, you know, kind of thing. I mean, excuse me, the agony of, of victory and no, the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. Although how you said it the other way, almost how many times have I got my head hit here? I guess, <laughs> but, 
in any event, the the thing that that I just think back about is the magic of a moment when you have you know twenty two guys on a field that are all playing at a, an extraordinary level, and for it all to come together in a big play is a miracle, you know, because the competition is so strong and, and it isn't just like one guy makes a play, you know, it's, 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 you know, it's a team makes a play. And, and that was always, I think that's the thing that, uh, you know, it's, it's very humbling and it's also, you know, I think it's a good perspective to have, you know, you just don't, you don't really go anywhere in life, you know, just by yourself. You know, you're, you're part of a part of a team. Yeah, you are. Whether family, it's family, your business. I mean, I've got a company now that I own with a couple of partners, a real estate company here, and we've got 28 people that work, you know, in our company. And a big part of our success is having a culture that is team oriented. Yeah. No, it's so true. And family, both of us being Greek, we know that's more than a team. That's a village plus. Yeah, so I have to ask you uh, one last question, then I'll let you go. Life so, sentence. Yeah. He's, I asked my boyfriend, John, he's like, what did I get into here? You met him. He's like, what? So what was that first day of training camp with Baltimore like? Did you, were there stars in your eyes? Were you scared? What was the first day? I'm kind of going backwards, but of training camp like? Well, you know, first of all, my first day of training camp at Baltimore, I kind of came in late, you know, because I held out to get more money. Uh, you know, I was first round pick. And so, you know, it was this heavy negotiation. So I didn't come to training camp when everybody else did all the other rookies. So I came in late and, you know, probably not a good thing <laughs> in terms of assimilation, but everybody was, you know, they, they, they understood the deal. And um, I just remember, you know, that the fun part of the competition for me was that I got to square off, you know, kind of head to head with a guy I became friends with uh, named Bubba Smith, who had been the NFL defensive player of the year the previous year, the defensive end. And that was who I got to do my, you know, mano a mano with. And I thought that was pretty cool to go. Were to you scared at all? Or does that confidence that you knew you were a good player, you had the size. Yeah, you had I the knew confidence. I was, I knew I was strong and fast and could, you know, the, 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 at the same time, I, you know, get, you know, get, got whooped by Bubba Smith many times, you know, he was incredibly fast. Uh, so, but it was cool to play at that level. Oh, uh, I'm sure. I'm yeah. sure. I can't imagine. And then your position again in college and pro, it just offensive line. Offensive yeah. Technology. I was going to say, yeah, yeah. You, I thought you were an OT. Okay. Yeah. I love it. Anything else you want to add before I let you go? Just how football has, you know, you're here now in a beautiful home in Sun Valley, um, you know, in real estate, you got to give your company a plug. Sun Valley real estate. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know what it is, but I can yeah. plug it for yeah. you too. Yeah. Sun Valley but, real estate. And, Anything else you want to add football that has brought you to where you are today? Obviously you were smart enough to go to Stanford. Well, you didn't, so maybe not, but um, taking us back to last week, but what was it about the game, the sport that you're here today? You have fond memories. It it made you who you are. What is it about that? Well, I, I think it's the thing that carries over to what I try and do with my real estate is, um, you know, the whole notion of being fully engaged, fully engaged with life, with, with what you're doing, not, not halfway, you know, like, like a hundred percent, you know, to be able to function at, at those levels, that's what it takes. And, you know, you, you get your return on investment. I like that fully engaged. I'm taking that. It might be in the Maria's minute where I get to talk about anything I want, but fully engaged. I like, cause you, I always say the answer is always no, unless you ask and unless you go for it, you're not going to get it. So yeah. Yeah. But it be committed. Yeah. Well, thanks so much. You were so, I mean, I could talk for hours with you. 
Um, I will see you back your, in the your, your listeners would get very bored. No, they wouldn't. It's, <laughs> I'm the layman. If I think it's intriguing and Sid here thinks it's intriguing in a, in a Marriott in Las Vegas. Um, no, thanks so much for spending time with me. And I will see you back in Sun Valley. All right, Maria. Thank you. So it's the holidays. People are traveling. People are finally getting out and traveling. Whether you're vaccinated or not, you're going out. So here's my deal. Wear a mask if you're flying. If you made your ticket online months ago, you should know, unless you're living under a rock, that masks are required at airports and on airplanes. Okay. Once you get to the airport, even if you don't know, there are signs everywhere. Once you get on the plane, it's a rule to wear the mask. And here's my deal. This is how you wear a mask. This under your nose. Who are those people? So I was just on a Delta flight with Angel, my flight attendant. Kudos to her. And these poor flight attendants are getting grouchy passengers. They're being hit and all of that. And I know I've talked about it before, but during the holidays, wear your mask. Who are you to wear it under your nose? It's all about respect. Respect yourself enough to respect others, to respect the flight attendants. You know you have to wear it. I'm totally claustrophobic. I don't enjoy it. Heck no, but I travel a lot for work. So just put it on. Take it off to have a sip of your drink or food. Put it back on right after. Those are the rules. Be kind, rewind, as I always say, and it's all about respect. Have a safe and joyous holiday season. And remember, mask up, by the way. It says I'm not yelling. I'm not yelling. I'm Greek. We'll see you next week right here on Beyond the Locker Room. Don't forget to subscribe, whether you're watching on YouTube or any of where you get your podcasts. Thanks to, Ble- Thanks to the Believe Network. Okay, let's do take two. Thanks, Timmy Tim, Tim Rippin for, let's take these out and try to do it. Thanks, Timmy, Tim, Tim Rippin. I can call him that because I grew up with all of the Rippins uh, for a great interview. I appreciate it. Now it's time for Maria's Minute. All right. This week, you can see if you're watching, Sid is donning a mask. I'm going to don a mask here. It's the holiday season. So many people are traveling. Unless you've been under a rock the last 18 months or so, you know that masks are required at airports and on airplanes. So wear it. Don't wear it part way. It has to be over your nose and mouth. Not just under, it can't be under your nose. People, wear your mask properly. Have some respect for yourself, for other people, even if you're vaccinated or not, and especially those flight attendants that were working so hard. Shout out to Angel on my last Delta flight. She was like, guys, you have to wear it over your nose and mouth. And I can see a third of the plane, you guys aren't wearing them properly. So just be kind out there. It's the holidays. We're lucky to be gathering with family again, of course. So as I always say, be kind, rewind, wear your mask properly when you're traveling on those planes. And we'll see you next week for another great interview and more stats on Beyond the Locker Room with Maria. Don't forget to subscribe. Now I'm going to do one with Tim halfway. Thanks, Tim. I totally cut him off because there's so much more good stuff. And that's going to come up next week right here on Beyond the Locker Room with Maria. More with Tim Rippin. And now it's time for Maria's Minute. I should have kept Trevor around for this uh, because he thinks the same way I do. All right. Holiday season. Everyone's traveling. We are lucky to be traveling. Remember that. So if you're watching on YouTube, Sid is wearing a mask. If you're listening, my friend Sid wearing his mask. So unless you've lived under a rock... You know that masks are required in airports and on airplanes. So you know that when you bought the ticket, right? You know that when you go to the airport, correct? So wear your mask properly. I'm putting mine on over your nose and mouth. None of this over your nose thing. Who are you that you think you're special? Are you vaccinated? Let's hope so. But it doesn't mean you don't have respect for not only others, but respect yourself, respect the rules, please. I always say be kind, rewind. We're lucky to be seeing our family and friends this holiday season. So just wear your mask properly. Shout out to Angel, my flight attendant a few weeks ago on Delta Airlines. She was like, I see you all not wearing your mask properly. 
you know, she doesn't want to be the sheriff. So, and you shouldn't patrol others. We should all just do what's right. Of course, my mask says, I'm not yelling, I'm Greek. Buy a fun mask. Give them for Christmas still. A lot of people are still requiring masks, but you knew about it. Let's just go have a joyous holiday season and mask up, people. If you have kids or pets, you know stains and odors in your carpet and upholstery are inevitable. But the experts at ChemDry can help. ChemDry removes odors and stubborn stains by sending millions of carbonating bubbles deep within your carpet. ChemDry lifts dirt, urine, and stains to the surface to then be extracted away, giving you a cleaner and healthier home. Call 1-800-CHEMDRY or visit ChemDry.com to connect with your local ChemDry and learn about special offers in your area. That's 1-800-CHEMDRY or visit ChemDry.com today. 